Welcome to Passion Life Church. So glad that you're in church this morning. We are continuing a series that we've entitled Overcomer. And uh, how many of you realize that life has some battles? Anybody realize that, that along with life, that uh, life has some battles? And it's interesting how things can be going really good in your life. And then all of a sudden, things just change. Life just changes. And it could be in your financial life. It could be a financial battle. Uh, it could be a battle for your health, for your family, and your marriage, and your kids. And here's what I've learned, that different seasons have different battles. Can I hear a good amen today? And we, we, they just have different battles. Different stages of life have different battles. But here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter what the battle is. The, the truth is still the same. God has given us armor to wear that we've been going through. And God has given us armor. So no matter what the battle is, the armor is still the same. God's power is still the same. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to put on the armor of God. It doesn't work if you don't put it on. And so we've got to put it on. So let me tell you this this morning. Whatever battle comes your way, I was thinking about this, how encouraging this is. God gives us armor. In other words, you are equipped for any battle that comes against you. I said, you are equipped for any battle that comes against you. Why? Because you've got armor. And it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. It doesn't, what kind, it doesn't matter what kind of arsenal or assault comes against you. I'm telling you, as the people of God, we can overcome with the equipment and the armor that God has given us. Anybody believe that today? And it's important. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And so we've just been kind of looking at this battle and making us aware that there's an unseen world that's happening. And this unseen world is, is really affecting our seen world or the world that we see. And, but I just, again, want to encourage you, God doesn't leave us unequipped for this battle. You are not by yourself. He is with you, and he gives you armor. He gives you spiritual strength. Because how many of you know it's a spiritual battle? And with spiritual battles, you cannot fight spiritual battles in your natural strength. You won't win. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you in a natural arena, into logic, into all of these things. You won't win that way. For a spiritual battle, you need spiritual strength. And God's given us armor. He's given us weapons. But we've got to put it on. How do we put it on? We've been saying you put it on and you put on the armor. Number one, when you know what it is, the armor is, and you know how to use it. Just like when you put your clothes on, you put your clothes on for a certain reason. You're dressed for the day. Well, God wants us dressed for battle. Come on, if you have your Bibles, let's dive into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, right? And let me just say this again. The truth is that the battle is already won. We, God has won the victory. We're fighting from victory, not for victory. But that does not mean, and I, I said this last week, the enemy is defeated. But that doesn't mean he's not going to show up at your house. He's not going to knock on your door. He wants to see how much truth you know. He wants to see if you are the righteousness in Christ and in, in righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He wants to know if you're standing in peace because he's going to try to knock you out of that place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor. Why whole armor? Because all of these pieces work together. My church family, the whole armor. If you don't understand what this whole armor is, now let me say it again, let me break it down a little bit more. These pieces of armor are really gospel truths. They're gospel principles. If you don't understand one of the pieces, 
then you'll have a hole in your armor. And I don't know about you, but in a fight, the enemy knows that he's going to look for holes in the armor. And let me say this. I want you to notice that as we go through these pieces, there's no armor for your back. Because you were meant to stand and fight, not to tuck tail and run. Come on, somebody. So you, he's given you this armor. So we need to understand, he says, therefore take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, what do we stand? We stand in the victory that Jesus already won. Stand therefore having your loins, your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that you are good to us today. Lord, speak to us, not only by your word, but by your spirit. In Jesus, and, and everybody said, amen. Today I've entitled, I want to talk to you about the fight for your faith. The fight for your faith. Now, summer is here, and the weather has been really wacky. Anybody realize that? I mean, it's just like hot in the day, and then at night, it's like the other day I wore shorts, and then at night, it's like freezing cold. I'm like, did I just move to Antarctica? Like, what's the deal here? And now, and then it's getting hot, and then it's muggy, and, and the summer's here, but I love summer, and, and uh, a couple years ago, my son is about eight years old now, and he, uh, uh, I taught him how to swim. We took him to some swim classes, and uh, about five, four years old, and he started to learn how to swim, and uh, they recommend at swim classes that you don't start them with floaties. They just, they want you to dive right in, but that just wasn't his style. He needed his floaties. But I was like, whatever it takes to get him in the water, you know, whatever it takes, just get him in the water, you know? And so he, we bought him some cool floaties and he'd get in the water. He was having fun. But here was the challenge. The challenge was he got really, um, really attached to his floaties. Not that he would like sleep at in, in bed at night with him or anything like that. But every time that we would go swimming, like, Dad, where's my floaties? And I realized that he started to rely on his floaties way too much. So here was the challenge. We had to get and, and figure out a way to take off these floaties to realize this. I wanted him to realize this. Because with floaties, you can only go so far when you're swimming. You can't go underwater. Yeah, you can jump off, off of the ledge, but you're not going to go deep. You can't swim underwater with floaties. And there's a time for floaties. But we had to start to find a way to start getting these floaties off. And, and one of the uh, uh, things that one of the instructors told us at swim class was, they said, it's important that you're, you know, because we said, hey, maybe we could get them some private lessons for swim class. And they said this, we don't recommend private lessons. And I said, why not? They said, because your kids need to see other kids swim. Your kids need to see other kids going underwater because if you just do private, they get isolated, and, but you need, your kids need to see. And when he started to see his friends jumping in without floaties, I'm like, son, it's time to take off the floaties. And here's the reality. We started taking off the floaties. He'd start to jump in and I would catch him and he would have to trust me and he'd jump in and I would catch him. And then he started to learn how to swim. You know, and I was thinking about this, this uh, today, as we talk about faith, faith requires trust. And as he started to jump in, he had to trust me as a dad. And I felt like God was telling me today, there are some of you that you have spiritual floaties on, and it's time to take them off. It's time to start going deeper in your trust with God. It's time, because here's what happens. You're going to stand by. This is how people get stuck, right? They decide to just stay where they're at. How many of you know it's not cute for a 17-year-old kid to show up at a, at, a, at a swimming party with floaties on? 
That, that's, not, that's, that's cute for a five-year-old. But if you don't decide to take off your floaties, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get stuck, right? You're going to get stagnant. And here's what we do. We watch other people, and they're getting blessed because they're going deeper in their faith. They're trusting God more. And we're like, hey, God, what's the deal? How come, you know, hey, why not me? And God's like, hey, it's time for you to have a deeper trust, a deeper devotion. It's time for you to dump in the deep end a little bit. Uh, shallow is only fun when you're little and when you're a little kid. But you know what? It's time to get on the diving board and take a leap of faith and start to experience what swimming is all about. Get on the surfboard. Get on the boogie board. Come on, and let's have some fun. Then I want to stay in the shallow end because I love my shallow Christianity. Here's the problem with shallow Christianity. Because you can stay and decide to stay in your shallow Christianity, but here's what will happen. A problem will come that is so overwhelming, and the problem doesn't care if you're a shallow Christian, but the, here's what the problem will do. The problem will pull you into the deep end, and you better know how to swim. Here's one of the reasons why we had to get the floaties off of my son, and we had to teach him how to swim, because I know the nature of swimming parties. They're so much fun. I love swimming parties. But you know what? You better be aware when you're at a swimming party, somebody may push you in. And you didn't plan, get my phone out of my pocket, but they may push you in. And I'll tell you what, I've been at parties where kids have been pushed in the pool and they don't know how to swim. And I said, that's not going to be my son. But here's the point I want to tell you. Problems and the enemy doesn't care if you're in the shallow end. Their goal, and sometimes problems will come and they will pull you into a fight that you didn't even want to be in. And what are you going to do? Oh, don't hurt me. I have my floaties on. And so this series is about teaching you how to fight. It's preparing, well, Pastor Phil, everything's good in my life. I know, but problems have a way of yanking you into a fight that you never wanted to be in. And so God, can I hear a good amen today? And so I want to prepare you. I want to empower you. This is what God's saying. We need to be equipped so when those problems come, we can fight. And here's what Paul is going to tell us in 1 Timothy 6, 12. He says the fight, here's the real fight, the fight is for your faith. The fight is for your faith, 1 Timothy 4, 12. It says fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession. Everybody say the good confession. We're going to talk about that today. The good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul said, you need to know this. The enemy is going to challenge your faith. He's going to come against you. There's going to be trials. There's going to be circumstances. But I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says this, I have fought the good faith. Now, let me just give you a little caveat here. Well, Pastor Phil, I, you know, I just thought we as Christians were, were supposed to love everybody and Jesus loves me. He does. We're supposed to love everybody. But can I just tell you, the devil does not love you. He hates you. And the goal is for him to steal, kill, and destroy. I just don't like all of this fight stuff. I'm just not a fight person. All right, you don't have to be a fight person. Listen, you know what? All you have to do is to have a house, and that makes you a candidate for somebody to break in that house. All you have to do is have a car, and that having a car makes you a candidate for somebody to break in that car. Just for you to be human makes you a candidate for the enemy to come against you. Come, come on, somebody, and steal, steal, and destroy. Yes, I want to love people. Our fight is not against people. Our fight is against the devil. And I think we need to start bearing up and getting some Christians that are willing to say, hey, you know what? 
what? I'm willing to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to stand. I'm not going to be wimpy. I'm taking the floaties off. It's time to go head to head with the enemy in the power of God. And I love what Paul said. This is Paul. Paul's written some amazing, two-thirds of the, of the New Testament. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, you know what? I have fought the good fight. And here's why it's a good fight. Because if you'll fight, you'll win. Because the victory's already won. If you'll stand in the victory, you know what? You will win. We win because Jesus has already won. Can I hear a good amen today? And he says, I have fought. So Paul says, it is possible to fight this and win. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. And here's how you finish the race is you keep the faith. No matter what, you keep the faith. Now, here's why it's so important. This is why faith is so important, and the devil's going to attack it. Number one, faith moves God. It's faith that moves God. Can I go a little bit deeper? It's not just your sincerity that moves God. Well, you know, Lord, just if you would just look down on me this today. And if you could just, can I just tell you, if you're praying with the just all the time, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith moves God. How do you know, Pastor Phil? I know because in the Bible, Jesus was on his way to heal somebody who was sick, right? And basically dying because we know that she would die. Jesus was on his way to heal somebody who was sick and a woman with issue of blood. For 12 years, she had blood pouring out of her. She saw Jesus and her faith moved her through the crowd. I would just wonder how many of you are willing to move some things aside to get what you need from God. And she moved, she, this is what she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And here's what she did, she touched. You know, one of the translations says that she actually touched touched a tassel one tassel off of Jesus's robe healed her instantly and here's what happened he stopped this is how I know faith moves God because Jesus was actually on his way to do a miracle for somebody else but a woman with the issue of blood stopped Jesus and he said who touched me see faith touches God faith touches God and so when he when she pushed and just touched the hem of his garment, just a small tassel, instantly she was healed. You know what? I, it's interesting to me. There was tons of people around. None of them got a miracle, but she did. Why? Because she stepped out in faith, and she touched Jesus, and it moved him. And you know what? It moved her, and she got a miracle. Jesus did in one moment what doctors couldn't do in 12 years. Come on, somebody. And if we'll just move in faith. And here's what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please. That word please in the Greek means this, acceptable. In other words, you can't be accepting to God without faith. See, I think that's where we think about our works. Like our God, you know, God, he wants me and my works are going to please him. Actually, your works, you may not even be pleasing him. But here's the thing. If you'll have some faith, that's what's acceptable to God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him or what's acceptable to him. For he who comes to God must believe. Everybody say, must believe. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And here's number two. This is why faith is so important, why the enemy is attacking our faith. It's through faith that we access everything God has. Through faith. The only way... You're going to access this victory that you need is through faith. It's through faith. It's through faith that we believe that this armor 
works, that the belt of truth, when I put it on, right, the belt that holds everything together, truth will hold your life together. But here's the reality. You have to have faith in this truth. It's faith in the breastplate that I am righteous before God. Why? Because Jesus became unrighteous. Jesus became sin. So you and I could be the righteousness of God. That takes faith. Can I hear a good yes today? And the only way we're going to have peace, remember he talked about having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, is to have faith that there is a peace that Jesus gave us. And I can live in that peace. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our what? Come on, say it loud. Even our what? You overcome by faith. You overcome by faith. And here's what Paul was saying to us. Because when he was writing about this armor, he was looking at a Roman soldier. And he was writing about their belt, about their breastplate. And then he wrote about the, the shoes that we talked about last week. And then he looked at the shields that they used to use. Now I want you to know something about Roman shields. Roman shields weren't like Captain America shields that are like this big, you know. And he throws them like a Frisbee. <laughs> wasn't like that. Their shields were about four feet tall, maybe two to three feet wide. You, you could even take one of their shields, stick it in the ground, and you could stand behind it. And so whatever arrows that were coming your way, you could stand behind this shield. Now, here's one of the things that the Romans were known for. They were known for putting their shields together in a V, kind of like geese do when they fly. Uh, in our new house, we, we have geese that fly over us every once in a while, and they fly in this V formation. It's, it's pretty amazing. And so the Romans, what they would do is they would all get their shields, and they would stand in a V. And as they would stand in the V, they would walk together in this V. And they would actually go right towards the enemy, and nothing could come against them. And then when there were arrows that were shot, listen to this, they would get together in a circle they would get together and they would shoulder to shoulder they would be in a circle and then a couple of them would get in the middle and they would all put their shields together and then some of them would put their shields on top so whenever the arrows were flying they would bounce off of the shields my church family I will tell you something this is why we need each other the Romans knew that their shields need to come together. When we come together on a Sunday, our faith is coming together. And when our faith is coming together, God can move in our midst. Yes, listen, I'm telling you something. I know that your faith is amazing that you have for God. But I will say this. We need to get together and we need to come together. The Bible says, do not forsake, right? Do not forsake the gathering together. Why? Because our shields are coming together. There was a story in the Bible where there was a paralytic guy and he could not walk and he had four friends and those four friends picked him up took him to a house where Jesus was. Jesus was doing a life group and it was packed and they had their friend who had never walked and they looked inside the window and they couldn't get in, it was packed. So they decided to tear the roof off. They decided to take the floaties off and they said, we're tearing this roof off. They tore the roof off and they lowered the paralytic. Listen to this. And the Bible says something so amazing. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, listen, he saw their faith. They put their shields together. You know what I find interesting? It wasn't the faith of the paralytic who couldn't walk. 
It wasn't his faith that got him healed. It was their faith. The Bible didn't even say if the guy wanted to be there, but he obviously, I don't even know if he had a choice because they just picked him up. Literally, they were picking him up. I mean, the dude couldn't walk. But I'll tell you, something happens when you tear their roof off, roof off, and Jesus said he saw their faith. In other words, it was like all of their shields came together. And when they lowered him, Jesus said that he saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. I wonder how your faith is affecting other people. Because it can. His friend's faith helped him get a miracle. That's why it's so important that when we come together, we put our shields together. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? That we put our shields together. And you may be in a fight right now, but here's the good news. You're not alone. You got my shield. You got a shield. Come on, let's put them together. Let's put our faith together. Let's see God work in our midst. And so what the enemy does is that he's going to shoot out some fiery darts. You know, Paul makes a bold statement. He says this, above all, taking the shield of faith that you may be able to quench some of the fiery darts of the enemy. Is that what he says? Does he say some? What does he say? That's pretty bold. When I read that, I said, now I'm either going to believe this or I'm not going to believe it. But Paul said that I could quench all of the fiery darts of the, all in Spanish is todo. All, every single fiery dart that comes my way, I can quench. Let me tell you, any single fiery dart that the enemy throws your way, whether it's temptation, whether it's depression, whatever it is, you can quench them with faith. All of them. There's not one. There's not one excuse. You can quench. We can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That's why he comes against your faith. And so he loves to throw up fiery darts. Let me tell you what this means about fiery darts. What the enemies of the Romans used to do is they would take their arrows and they would dip the tip into poison. Because here's here's what they knew. If I don't get a vital organ, right, here's what I hope to do. If I could just maybe graze the skin of the enemy, if I could just graze the skin, that poisonous head would get into their blood. And that blood had the potential, that poison had the potential to kill a person. Here's what he does. He throws fiery darts with poison. The Bible says fiery darts. This is what some of the enemies of the Romans would do too. They would take that head of the arrow and they would dip it in gasoline and set it on fire. And what they would do is they would throw it into the air, hoping that if that would just even catch some of your clothing, that small little arrowhead could set your whole body on fire. How does that work for us? The enemy pulls back his bow, shoots his little arrows up on fire. How does he do that? He pulls it back. Here comes a thought. You're never going to get through this. It's interesting. Listen, you're never going to get Just a little lie. Hey, God's word isn't true. God's not going to come through for you. Watch this. Fire. Just a little tip. And all of a sudden, you start to think. You start to doubt. And you know what? Doubt sets in. And then guess where doubt will lead you? Doubt will lead you to discouragement. Come on, somebody. And then discouragement will lead you into depression. 
And then it'll lead you into thinking that you are defeated. And all as it was is that fire got contagious, but you didn't quench it with the shield of faith, right? Your faith was low or you didn't believe. And so it's like putting your shield down and he just sends a thought, you're never going to get married. You're never going to find true love. It's not going to work out for you. It works out for everybody else. Or here's what he does. He takes another arrow, pulls back his bow, throws it in the air, right? Shoots it in the air. And it's a little dart of fear. You know what? Nothing's ever going to get better. Nothing's ever going to get better for you. And here's what happens. It's set on fire. And if you start to believe fear, because real, really, fear and faith are a lot alike. Fear isn't an inverted faith. Fear is, and there are people always fearful. Here's what they believe. The worst is going to happen. And it always, and here's what they say, and it always happens to me. Anybody hear that? It's like the sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Hey, listen, here's the truth. He shoots this arrow of fear. And you know what fear does? It has the ability to paralyze you. And people start to withdraw in all areas of their life. It could be relationships. It can be in their giving. I don't want to give anymore. You know, I, I just withdraw. And, and they become paralyzed with fear. They start to believe the worst scenarios. And they start to exaggerate all of their problems. And all as it was, was an arrow that was shot with a little bit of fire on it. And you know what? Just a little ember got on you and all of a sudden, now you're taking it to the worst case scenario. It was just an arrow. One arrow. Or he'll shoot a dart. Whew. Right? Nobody cares about you. Nobody wants to hear your sob story. Nobody cares. Why don't you just, and then you start thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I really don't do good in relationships. I should just isolate myself. You know, that's one of the top three things the enemy loves. He loves to lie to you. He likes to shoot fear at you. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to isolate. He wants you to get, he wants you to be that little deer that's all by itself away from the pack. Because you know why? When you are isolated, you are a seeding target for the enemy. I was uh, watching this video on Instagram. It was pretty crazy. It was like this big, I don't know if it was like a buffalo or, or, or something like that. And um, it was like a bigger cow, but it had these horns. And there was like two or three of them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this like cheetah, just or this lion comes out and just hops on one of them. It's a crazy video because it, the lion hops on this big like buffalo. And then all of a sudden you see another buffalo come over to it with its horns, pick up the lion. The lion flies up in the air, lands on the floor, whoop, takes off. You know what? We're stronger together. We're better together. Let me say it again. We're better together. You need to stop isolating yourself. Well, it's because I'm so shy and nobody wants to talk to me. I don't think it's nobody wants to talk to you. I don't think you want to talk to anybody else. Right? Nobody likes me. If you'll smile, people, get involved. You know, half of the battle is just showing up. I said half of the battle is just showing up. But there are people in this room that will go to bat for your marriage. There are people in this room who will go to bat for you. There are people in here who will pray for you when you're sick. There are people in here who will lift you up when you are down. We are better together. And he wants to isolate you and think, oh, he wants you to think, he wants you to think, 
I don't know if you ever thought this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and just leave my dirty laundry with you this morning. Have you ever thought this? You're just weird. Nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody understands you. You're just, you're just weird. You ever have those thoughts? You're not normal. Can I ask you a question? What is normal? Does anybody know a normal person? I am normal. No, you're not. Because people that walk around say I am normal are not normal. <laughs> Nobody's normal. The reality of it is you were never created to be normal. You were created to be unique in the sight of God. He created you that way. And we try to put ourselves and compare ourselves. And the truth is you are unique. You are God's creation. So you know what? Why don't we celebrate that? You're not weird. You are created by God. Can I hear a good amen today? If we were all the same, life would be boring. If everybody was like you, God help us. If everybody was like me, God help us. But we're better together. So he wants to isolate you. He wants you to lower your shield. Are you glad you came to church today? Listen, and you may have not realized it. You're pulled into a battle. Man, he's thrown some, some arrows at you. And if you know how to use your shield of faith, you will quench these darts. So how do we use this? Shield of faith. How does it work? Let me give you three ways how to do it. I love breaking things down because I think it helps us every day. We're going to pick up the shield of faith. How are we picking up the shield of faith? Well, we know how it works and we use it every day. We use faith. I think, as a matter of fact, we use more faith every day than you even know. You get in your car every single day to go to work, right? And you believe you're going to get there. You, you think about going home and, and cooking dinner. Why? Because you believe you're going to get home. You came today expecting. Anybody came today to church expecting that God is going to do. There's faith in the room. So you have it. But if we can know how it really works when we're in the battle, listen, it will quench the fiery darts. So how does this shield of faith work? Number one, it works when you move in the measure you already have. See, here's the truth. You already have faith as a child of God. Why? God gave it to you. Let me say it this way. God gave you a shield. Are you going to use it? Romans 12, three, verse 3. God has dealt each one of you a measure of faith. I want to be honest with you. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about how much faith you use. It's about using what you have. It's not about the amount. It's about using what you have. You have faith. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I have faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have faith. And let me say it this way. Faith is a belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence that causes us to act. Now, let me say this. Faith is not just a belief. The Bible says that the devil and the demons know that they believe there's a God. They've seen him. But all they do is tremble. They don't act like there's a God. You know, I get to talk to a lot of people as as a pastor, and, and I talk to people who tell me a lot, you know, hey, you know what, well, I'm just, um, I'm an atheist. I, I'm, I don't believe that there's a God. I'm an atheist. Okay, hey, love you. God bless you. I understand. But here's what I have found about atheists. A lot of them are not atheists. They're agnostic. What does that mean? They believe that there's a God. But here's what I have found when I've talked to atheists. One of the number one reasons why they don't want to believe that there's a God, because it poses this question. If there is a God, what are you going to do with this God that really exists? And what I have found with a lot of atheists is that it's not that they don't believe that there's a God. Here's, 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 here's the nail on the head. They don't want a God telling them what to do. 
if you believe that there is an authority, see, the problem is you, agnostics believe there's a God. They just don't acknowledge him. They just want to live their life. And hey, that's fine. You go live your life. You go live your life without God. More power to you. I've been there. I came back. Because a life without God is no life at all. Boom, you can tweet that. But when you, here's the thing. What happens when you acknowledge there's a God? Oh, he may have some rules I need to live by. Well, maybe he has rules to live by because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if I am the life, there are some parameters to have this amazing life that I've given you. No, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Listen, so it's easier to deny God than to live for him. Just being honest with you. But the devil, they know that there's a God. All that they do is they tremble, but they don't act on what they believe. See, faith is an action on what you believe. See, what you believe, does it move you enough to act? Does it move you? See, I've been in the church for almost 25 years, and I've been in the church for almost 25 years because I know what the church does. I love what the church does in people's lives. I'm dedicated to the house of God. It moves me to get up in the morning and get here because I hear people's testimonies of lives changing. God God's presence touching people, miracles happen. It moves me. But you know what? It starts with a belief, but you've got to believe enough stuff. You've got to believe it enough to act. That's why even when people don't give, like, ah, this tithing stuff, that's all right. Hey, listen, that's fine if you don't believe it, but here's the truth. Don't get mad at us who believe it and do it and get blessed. Because the truth is, if you really believe it, you'll do it. And listen, I ain't arguing about it. People talk about a bunch of stuff. I just watch the way they live. Because how you live shows me what you believe. And that's even what James says. James in uh, James chapter 2, verse 17, he says, If it doesn't have works, it's dead. Faith without works is dead. Now let me say this. Faith is not a work. Just because I go over here and look at the Bible, and I, that's a work, that doesn't mean I have faith. But here's what James was saying. You know how I see your faith? By your works. In other words, he says, you can look at my faith by what I do. Let me say it again. You can look at my faith by the actions that it produces. So when I'm in faith, the worship team is singing. I may be going through a fight, but here's the reality. Here's the good fight of faith. I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to sing because I believe that God's word is more powerful than my feelings. And I'm going to lift up my voice and I'm going to sing through faith. You believe something about your battle. You believe something about your fight. But does it move you enough to act? Is this good this morning? Oftentimes, this is what Jesus did. You want to talk about acting? Jesus actually asked people, asked people to do things they couldn't do. He asked a man with a withered hand, stretch it out. I just wonder what people nowadays would think about that. If you were in the crowd nowadays, how everybody's so politically correct, Right? Oh my goodness, Jesus was in the crowd and he saw this man with a withered hand. I can't believe he was so rude. This is what he said. He looked, he, uh, can you believe it, Martha? Oh my goodness. Gosh, I would be so offended. Yeah, you would be so offended and walk away with a withered hand. But Jesus looked at that man and said, stretch out your hand. And he heard the word of God. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God is we believe in it. But when we start to act on it, there's power. 
power, right? And he heard the word of God. And you know what he did? He stretched out his hand right? He asked a paralytic man, think about this. You're in the room that day. Jesus is teaching a life group. A paralytic man hasn't walked in 35 years. And Jesus says, get up. Oh my gosh, that's so rude. But his word has the power to bring dead people to life. He looked at a tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. He told a dead man to live. That's just not right. The guy is dead. But you need to understand Faith doesn't speak those things that are. Faith speaks those things as not, as though they were. And he speaks life over dead things. Can I hear a good amen today? And when the Holy Spirit says through Paul, having done all to stand, you may be here and go, I can't stand. Yes, you can. I can't believe Jesus is asking me to stand. I'm going through so you to stand he will give you the power and the strength to stand if you will take him at his word and believe it I just don't feel like it I love people who always tell me it's because I wear my feelings on my sleeve that's okay I just don't have to look at your t-shirt then listen you can wear your feelings on your sleeve but you shouldn't be saying everything you feel because your confession matters. And sometimes you need to get up and say, today I will stand. See devil, <laughs> I'm standing, I am standing. I know you want to take me out, but look at me. I got up another day and this is the day that the Lord has made and I will stand in the strength of God. I don't care if my kids are acting like demons, I'm gonna stand today. I don't care if my husband's going crazy, great. it doesn't matter, I'm gonna stand today. I don't care what the doctor says, I'm gonna stand in the strength of God. The battle is yours and I'm gonna quench all of these fiery darts of the enemy. And so we take him at his word, and I stand. I have to stand in faith. When I stand up here and preach, I do it in faith. Man, I did, tw I did 20 years of youth ministry, and it's crazy on Facebook as I see some of these kids today getting married, taking their kids to church, and I have to relook at their name. I'm like, that's so-and-so. He came to youth and sat way in the back and looked down the whole time I was preaching. Aren't you so glad that I don't take things personal? Aren't you so glad that I don't preach the way I, I feel, like I think and I see? Here's the reality. I preach in faith because right now we're dropping seeds. And I've seen some of the worst kids in our youth ministry. They're in church today doing things for God, taking their families to church. You know why? Because we preach in faith. We talk in faith. Faith is a solid, unshakable confidence in God. And it's built upon the assurance that God is faithful to his promises. Can I just remind us today, church, that God can never lie. He can never lie. And faith treats things that are hoped for as a reality. That's putting the shield up. So you know what? Start right today with what you have. Don't say, well, you know, I just need to grow my faith. Start today with where you have. Start giving today where you're at. Can I hear a good amen today? Man, I, God, I feel, Pastor Phil, I want God to use me. Let him start to use you right now where you're at. And you know what? When you do that, your faith will grow. It will grow. How does the shield work? Number two, when you believe even when you don't see. When you believe, even when you don't see. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's just be easy. It's not, let's just be honest. It's not easy to trust. It's easier to walk by sight than it is by faith. Can I hear a good yeah? Walking by sight is all about walking in our senses. Walking by our feelings. 
right? We rely on our physical senses. We rely on our logic. We rely on our common sense. It's interesting because so many times we'll rely more on what we think and our logic than God. And in truth is, here's what we're saying. We're saying that we're smarter than God. Can I just tell you that if God is on my level of thinking, we're screwed. And here's what people do. They think they know better about their finances. They know better about their marriage than God does. They think they knew more than God. You must think that God is on a, man, you must think you might not have a lot of intellect or something for you to say that you know more than God. But can I just tell you, the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are way higher than our, I need a God who doesn't think just like me. I need a God who thinks what's right even when I'm thinking wrong. I need a God who's saying this is what it can be even when I say no, this is what it can't be. I need a God who says, listen, Phil, I know you say it's impossible, but with you it is impossible, but with me all things are possible. That's the God I need. It doesn't just think the way I think. Because the truth is, I think way too small. My dreams are way too small. I'm just living for my dreams. Can I just tell you, if you can accomplish your dreams without God, they're not a God dream. Because a God dream, you need God to intervene if this dream is going to come to pass. Can I hear a good amen today? So faith will have you see things different. Faith, right, will have you look at God. Faith will have you start building an ark even when you don't know what an ark is. Ask Noah. Noah, what are you building? An ark? What's an ark? I don't know. Why are you building an ark? Well, it's because it's going to rain. What's rain, Noah? I don't know. Until one day, they look up in the sky. Here comes this drop of rain. All of Noah and his family are getting in the ark that he built by faith because God said it would. See, faith will let you pass through on dry ground in the middle of a Red Sea. That's what faith will do. Faith walks around the walls of Jericho and it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Oh, well, I just wouldn't do that. Well, you wouldn't have the victory if you're not gonna do what God says. And they walked around and on the seventh time they shouted and all the walls fell down. That's what faith will do. Faith receives the promise and acts on the promise before it sees the promise come to pass. Let me just say it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. Faith sees from God's perspective. See, you see your problem. You see your battle. But can I ask you a question? How does God see your battle? How does God see where you're at right now? He sees this probably, this is just a season. Come on, he's moving you through something. He's moving you through something better. Don't quit. Come on, don't build a house here. Move forward. Keep going forward. How does God see, right? But the enemy's gonna shoot fear, and fear is like an inverted faith. Fear is actually believing, oh, the negative's gonna happen. You know, and 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say, spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. Can I tell you that if God didn't give you the spirit of fear, you don't have to receive it? Let me try this side. If God didn't give you a spirit of fear, then you don't have to receive it? You don't have to receive that. And so God's fear doesn't come from God, but God gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And since God didn't give you the spirit of fear, listen, you don't have to take it. Listen, someone said this about fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Have faith, even when you don't see. 
2 Corinthians 4.13. Here's number three. How does the shield work? When I express my faith in confession. That's when my shield is up. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul talks about faith. As we close today, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, listen to what Paul says. He says, I believed, therefore I spoke. I believed, therefore I spoke. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Paul says this, faith has a confession. Faith, listen to this, faith always speaks what God has already spoken. You may not know right now the specific will of God. You may be in a battle and you go, Pastor Phil, I need some answers. I don't know what's going on. Can I just tell you? You may not know the specific will of God, but if you don't know the specific will of God, speak the written will of God over your life. I don't know what the future holds. Speak, you know what? I know the plans that he has for me, says the Lord. Plans of a hope and a future. I may not know specifics, but can I just tell you, don't say God is not speaking to you if your Bible is closed. Don't, don't say God is not speaking to you if your Bible is closed. He will speak to you every day. But can I just ask you this question today? What are you speaking in the midst of the battle? What are you speaking over your life? Well, I never win anything. What is your confession of faith over your life? Do you know that faith is actually how God operates? God operates in faith. I just want to encourage you this week. If you have some time, read Genesis 1. Read the story of creation. The Bible says the, word, the world was out without form and void, and God spoke. And if you read like the eight verses there, it said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, the light, and God said, and he separated. Why was it separated? Because God said. He said it. That's why it happens. And here's the principle. Our words are forming our world. Our words are forming our world. This is why I cannot hang out with negative people. Because your words are powerful. The Bible says death and life are in the power of your tongue. Come on, somebody. It's in the power of your tongue. This is why when God put Adam on the earth, he said this. All right, Adam, it's time to use your words. I want you to name every animal. You know what? When Adam named it, what he called it, that's what it was. Can I just encourage you today? Whatever you say in the battle, whatever you call it, that's what it's going to be. I'm defeated. We're never going to make it. Why don't you start speaking what God has already said? Why don't you speak what God has already spoken? I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. By his stripes, I am healed. I know I feel this way, but listen, it's not about my feelings. It's about my faith. My faith is not, my feelings aren't going to help me win the battle. My faith is what's going to do it. Listen, Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I, I love the scripture. I believe uh, it's, it's, in, uh, it's in Joel. And it says, let the weak say, I am. Does it say, let the weak say, I am weak? What is that? That's a confession of faith. It's a confession of faith. Faith not only see 
not, faith not only sees what God sees, it says what God says. Can I ask you a question? Can you see yourself coming out of this battle victorious? Because if you could see it, you'll do it. And if you see it, you need to start to speak what you see. I'm, I want to close with this. I hear so many people, I, I understand you got a diagnosis from the, de- from, <laughs> I said the devil, from the doctor. No, I love doctors. I love them. But are you going to talk more about the diagnosis or are you going to talk more about the word of God? Are you going to speak the life? Well, I have this. And then people are like, I have this. You have settled that this is who you are. That's not who you are. A diagnosis is not who you are. You are a child of the living king, right? Start speaking life. Start cursing that stuff. I curse diabetes in Jesus' name. I'm not afraid in Jesus' name. Risky cancer, no, you're not going to take my life. Jesus is my life. I am healed in Jesus' name. Listen, devil, you cannot have my marriage. I don't care what's going on. You know what? You, we have the peace that passes all understanding in this house. You're going to rise to the confession that you're speaking over your own life. Let me say this, and then I want to pray. Your kids are going to rise up to the level that you speak over them. You're rising to the level of your own confession. I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm so stupid. You're not stupid, but if you keep saying that, you're going to convince yourself you are. And here's what the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, I'm so dumb. Oh, I always, I always do this. No, you don't. You know, my son came home with his report card, and we were looking through his grades. And uh, he had some great grades. I'm very aware of my confession over his life. But he was looking at it, and there were some great grades, some A's and B's, and then, you know, there's a couple C's. And then... That was like a D minus, and, and here's what happened. I started looking at him, and, and he, he saw the D minus. He said, you know, Dad, and I pointed to the A, and I said, Gavin, I want you to know something. This is who you are. The D minus is not you. Really, Dad? Yeah, this is who you are. See, you did it. You can do it. The D minus, maybe you are not focused, but here's the deal. You, this is who you are. Can I just tell you, this is who you are. You are a child of the living key, and our God is a conqueror, and you will conquer too. Get the shield of faith up. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, let's give him a good round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.